Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Frog Snacks Podcast. It is episode 177, believe it or not, and it is I, Snacks. With me, as always, is my loyal co-host, Frog. Hello. Hello, hello. So uh, today's a good episode because uh, I think we decided what we were going to talk about like two episodes ago on air, and so we're mm-hmm. doing it. Um, that's always nice where we find this like immediate gap in, in our backlog and we're just like, Oh, here it is. We should do this exact thing. Um, so we're doing it. We, we mentioned, I don't remember if it was last episode or two episodes ago, but we decided that we had never really spent an entire episode talking about who some of our favorite content creators are, uh, out there on the internet, um, Twitch and YouTube specifically. Uh, Mm -hmm. but we have, uh, we have a couple of, of creators out there that we, uh, you know, that we have a lot of good things to say about and are, are kind of our, our go-to and, and have, you know, important roles in, in their respective communities. So uh, I, I guess it's going to be, um, I guess it's going to be a little of like a back and forth style. Uh, I got some guys, you got some guys. Um, I got plenty. Yeah, I have, I have three um, that I, that I wanted to spend some time on. So I, I figured I would just pick the three the ones that I'm most impressed with, the ones that I, I reference the most, I guess, uh, the ones that I, I used the most often for reference and, uh, talk about, and they're all very, very different from one another. Um, and they all have very specific specialties. So I, I feel like, um, I could just zero in on those three and talk about them and, and what makes them special. Um, well, it's interesting. We probably should have had a discussion before we started, but you have three and I have 15. 15? Okay. Yeah. Well, then why don't you start? Why don't you name a couple, why you like them real quick, like rapid fire, and then I'll jump in and I'll be like, I like this person. Here's why. Here's what his deal is. I actually think better. if Since you only have three, I think it'd be better if you went through them and then I will interview you on the details. I mean, And I bet you I know at least one of them. I oh, definitely no, you, know one of them. You definitely know one of them. And then I think I've mentioned to you in passing the other two. Right. Um, so, yeah, let's let's go through your three, and then I will take you on Frog's journey through Twitch and YouTube. <laughs> All right. So I think it's important to say that I spend – like I, 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 when I said that I, I like these creators because I use them for reference, I think that this is a um, – kind of like provides the framework for why all of the three that I'm going to mention are specifically YouTube creators, because one mm-hmm. of the things that I use, uh, you know, uh, uh, extracurricular gaming references for is for that exact purposes is, is to like, look something up, find out some reference. Um, you know, maybe if they've got some like good production or visualization, that's like a bonus, but, but really I'm looking for somebody who can, really lay it out there for me and say, this is what you're going to be trying to do. This is how it's going to work. Um, you know, once you've mastered this, you know, then you can start looking at X, Y, Z, that type of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Two, two of the, two of the guys I'm going to mention are, are that. And then one's just sort of like, um, different. So I guess I'll save that one for last, but, uh, Actually, you know what? I'm going to do that one. For, I, I have one that I specifically want to name last because we've talked about him before, and uh, he's just, I think, probably the most special. Uh, yep. So I'm going to do uh, – first, I, I, want to, I want to do um, a Roomba. 
So I may Aruba. or I may or may not have talked about Arumba before to you. Um, I may or may not have mentioned him on the podcast, but Arumba does uh, like uh, paradox games essentially. Uh, Europa Universalis, Stellaris, um, a couple of other RTS style games, but um, Arumba is like my guy because he was actually Arumba was actually one of the first people that did gaming content that I ever followed or subscribed to on, on YouTube. Um, Arumba is amazing because he has, uh, the most detailed, granular understanding of these games. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, we're talking about a real, like, uh, y- you know, a real expert here. Um, Arumba does in games that require um, an intense amount of reading, an intense amount of parsing through numbers and and calculation and and risk taking, but on a very slow, deliberate basis. Arumba does an unbelievable job of explaining to you what exactly it is you need to be looking at for every single move. And and one of the things that one of the things that Arumba gets criticized for a little bit actually is save scumming, um, which is a I guess like a mildly controversial uh, RPG strategy where if you, and it shouldn't be it shouldn't be and and one of the things that I think that Arumba sort of like what sort of like really hit home for me was was uh, you know save. What what some people would call save scumming is is something that Arumba does specifically to show you various outcomes of of different actions. You know when when you're talking about a game that would require thousands of actions and each action completely changes what the next nine hundred actions are going to look like. So right. if you're unfamiliar with what save scumming is, it's a it's a popular RPG strategy where you you create a save point. And then try something out that you're not sure how it's going to go. And then if you fail, you just go back to the save point and then try it again. Um, it's commonly used in like the Elder Scrolls games where you're like, I wonder if I'll die if I jump off this cliff. Save, jump off the cliff, <laughs> die, oh, whoops, and then <laughs> load the save. And they're just like, all right, I'm not going to jump off that cliff. So basically he's doing uh, the Europa Universalis version of that. So... Um, he's got real video. quick. I would broaden to say that safe scumming is a practice that I think pretty much every open world game uses heavily. Yeah. In fact, I, I got in a new Assassin's Creed. We can talk about it another time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they basically encourage it because I think there's one of the tips in the loading screen that says, "Hey, we put in a quick save function. So if you want to try a different decisions, quick save and then try them all." But go on. Yeah. So so this is you know when you're talking about a games that I mean he's got. Um, He's got a ton. He, he primarily does uh, Europa Universalis, but he's got Crusader Kings. He's got um, he, he's got a Let's Play of Frostpunk, which which I've talked about before on the podcast. Probably one of my favorite games of 2018. Um, it looks so good. Yeah, I love it. Uh, uh, Factorio, um, stuff like this. Uh, and and one of the things that I I love about it is you know if you've heard me talk about Europa Universalis four before on this podcast. Um, one of the things that um, EU4 does is that it, it doesn't hide anything from you. 
it presents it presents to you everything right at the beginning. You don't unlock anything. You don't you don't do anything. You you start at the same point, and you have everything at your disposal. One of the things that is that you have to figure out is how each of the numbers affect one another. It's not the type of thing where you know there, there's there's no there's no uh, cryptics involved, right? Everything is right out in the open. Before you go into battle, it tells you exactly what you're looking at, who's in that battle, what their general is, you know, what their cavalry score is, what their defensive score is, like everything. And, and you just have to know how these numbers interact with one another, what could possibly happen to, you know, various um, diplomatic connections when all that happens. One of my favorite videos that he, that he does, it's one, uh, one of his, one of my favorite playlists. I did. By the way, this guy puts out an unbelievable amount of content, an unbelievable amount of content. I mean, there's like, uh, he's, he's uploading like half a dozen videos a week, all around 20 minutes long. And that requires like so much planning and production and work. And I, I can't believe how much content he creates. He's got hundreds and hundreds of hours of videos on, on YouTube. But mm-hmm. one of my favorite uh, things that he does is uh, one of the one of my favorite, but also one of the weakest starts for European Universalis Four is Scotland, right? Uh, Scotland in this time is basically sort of uh, hanging around, praying that England doesn't get mad, right? Um, but what he does is is uh, provides with you a framework where you can be successful with any of these nations. And, and what he does is um, he, ex- he explains to you every outcome of every scenario. And I have put in well over 100 hours of European Universalis 4, and I still cannot pull off the stuff that he does because I don't have the amount of patience that he does. I mean, a 20 minute video, he might only go through like a few decades in a game that's supposed to span 400 years. So he's doing, he's doing everything very, very, very slowly and deliberately, but he never, it never feels slow because he's constantly talking you through every move that he's making, what every outcome could possibly be. I mean, he's like, okay, um, you can see uh, through through this screen that you know England has an alliance with this country and they're at war with this country and they're they're also at the brink of civil war but they have an alliance with this province in Ireland and if we you know if we align ourselves with this one then this will be the ripple effect of that if we were to move this uh, character to the border you know there will be these types of diplomatic impl- uh, um, diplomatic um, like ripple effects, uh, you know, and, and he manages to pull it off. So he does save scum, but he almost always, when he decides that something is going to work, it does work. So he say he saves scums as a teaching tool, uh, mm-hmm. not a learning tool. So he doesn't use it as a crutch. He, do, he does it as a, as like a, a teaching tool, which I think is brilliant. Uh, because he so shows you about a- Sorry, my bad. I thought you were done with that part. No, yeah, I was just saying, like, he, he shows you exactly how, how decisions can spiral out of control if you don't put the prerequisite thought into them. And this is this is true of every RTS game, every 4X game, and he uses some of the most complex games in those genres to show you how all that stuff can play out and how how much planning has to do, how much more of the game has to do with planning than it does with actually playing. 
and he does it all without seeming dry, even though he's like very uh, professorial in his videos. Yeah, I was going to say that um, what you're describing is somebody who has achieved real mastery yes. of, uh, of, of the, the content in question, because that's the only way you get to do that. When you when you know something backward, forwards, and sideways, that's where you can do the kind of stuff that um, that Arumba clearly seems to be doing. Which is that's one of the best parts about all these content creators is that um, you can get to benefit from the crazy knowledge that some people out there have. Right. You know, we're we're far away from the days of the '90s where you know we I, I always talk about that in regards to fighting games, the days where. You know, you and your boys thought you were hot shit because one, you were the one dude that knew how to do some semi-complicated move or whatever. And then, you know, you see the wide world. You know, the internet has basically been a giant floodlight. So you see the whole wide world around you. And then you're like, oh, my. <laughs> I actually was garbage. <laughs> yes. So, um, so yeah, and then, you know, I, I just, I, I already said this about Arumba, but the games that he picks don't hide anything from you. This is not a game where you're, you know, breaking open the game to look at frame data. The game tells you everything. You just have to be willing to put in the time to read and comprehend all of it. And mm -hmm. I've, with all of the time that I have played in these games, um, my understanding is is uh, infantile compared to his. He he truly puts in the time to understand what the game is trying to tell you and not trying to hide from you, uh, which is which is great. So, yeah, Arumba was was my was my first guy. Um, he's uh, he's he's an he's an unbelievable resource, um, and that's that's kind of like the thing I look for with content creators is how good of a resource are they. Um, and Arumba is one of the best. So, uh, Arumba, and then, um, my, actually my, my newest, uh, subscription button was pressed for, uh, another, uh, YouTube content creator whose, uh, whose name is Do Not Eat. Now, mm. I, I just told you about Do Not Eat. I actually sent you one of his videos a couple weeks ago. Do Not Eat got oh, a yeah, little, yeah, yeah. yeah, so Do Not Eat is, is like the opposite of a Roomba. Um, but so like where, where a, a Roomba takes, has this, this, um, you know, this, this sort of like end game mastery and understanding, um, very like clinical approach, uh, do not eat actually, you know, he like knows how to play the game that he's playing, but he uses it as a tool to tell you something completely like basically an elongated sidebar. He uses it as uh, as a visual to tell you a story, almost, which is a very unique take and, and something that I've been incredibly captivated by. So, Do Not Eat got a a little bit of a popularity bump because he was he was given a shout out on Kotaku a couple weeks ago, and that was how I heard about him. And uh, he does City Skylines, which is actually another Paradox game, but he does it totally differently. So so. Do Not Eat's angle is that he is uh, actually a civil engineer. Um, he's actually a civil engineer living in Philadelphia. And not only is he a civil engineer, he has a, a, a very broad, deep knowledge of 
the actual politics that go into how buildings get built and how highways get built and how cities evolve, right? Um, mm-hmm. And he uses city skylines as a way to show you how these things would happen in real life. You know, this isn't, you know, real life doesn't work like SimCity where you're just like, oh, I think people would love a shopping mall here. Bonk, and you just like drop a shopping mall in the middle of the city, right? Like many, many, many things have to happen before you get to that point. And then once that does happen, you know, the city changes in, in a lot more ways than, than are immediately uh, visible, right? Right. So he has this, this great political understanding of how these things work, how they have worked historically. And he did this, uh, this unbelievable video series and it's actually still ongoing, um, where he, he creates, a, 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 a quote unquote fictional, uh, American city from basically the time of, uh, European exploration to the, to the modern day. And the city is called Franklin, but it's really just, it's Philadelphia. He just doesn't call it by name for some reason. Um, but he, he basically does the entire history of the city of Franklin, which is supposed to be, even though it, it is explicitly Philadelphia, it's sort of a, a stand in for any like, you know, uh, Eastern, um, North American city. Right. Right. So he does everything from how the local tribes, uh, you know, pre-Columbian exchange sort of set up their villages and how they were connected in the same area. Um, you know, who, you know, which European powers showed up and how they set up their fortifications and, you know, the policies that they had in place that brought in more Europeans and, and how these different forts were connected via different, you know, roadways and, and natural and artificial harbors. And, and then once you're in, you know, once you're in like the, the, the post, um, revolutionary era and, and you're talking about an actual like bona fide American city, you know, how do hospitals get built and who decides where they go and who do they affect and who goes into them? How are, you know, streets, paved who lives where and who dictates who lives where. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's unbelievably educational. And, uh, he uses it all in city sky. He's basically building like, uh, like a one, one ratio city of Philadelphia in the background as he's explaining how things go, where, how things historically have gone there and, and what the implications of those, you know, construction projects are. Um, my only, my only, um, sort of like, uh, footnote that I would put in for, for, uh, do not eat is that he is, uh, he has very strong political opinions and he's not afraid to share them. So if that's something that this is something that I live for, but if it's something that you don't want <laughs> in, in a let's play or, or something that you don't want in, you know, a game that you're just trying to figure out how it works um, he's, he's going to be a really big turnoff because his whole thing is incredibly, uh, is incredibly political. The whole point of it is to explain how politics affects the modern city and he uses it all doing city skylines, which, which, which speaks to how involved and deep city skylines is as a city simulator, but also 
you know, really speaks a lot to how these sort of uh, simulations can end up with a lot of shortcomings because there's so many, there are so many unknowns, um, you know, in, in city skylines, you can just rip up an apartment building and put a highway there and, you know, you can like rectify the, the like unhappiness index by like putting something else in and, and fixing it that way. Um, right. This is not how it works in real life. And he goes to great lengths to explain how it does work in real life. Um, I'm currently reading a book uh, basically about the same thing. Uh, Robert Carroll wrote a book in the 70s about Robert Moses, who essentially played city skylines with the city of New York for like six, <laughs> for like 60 years. Um, and he – do not eat does a really good job of explaining like, you know, how this has worked in the past and why it shouldn't work and how it could work and, you know, actual – examples of it. So I found, I found his videos to be very relevant, uh, because of my, my current reading material, uh, and very informative. And, um, you know, I loved seeing city skylines used in a way that it probably isn't normally used. Uh, so I, I definitely have to, uh, give a big shout out to do not eat. Somebody like do not eat is a great, um, a great argument for why, you know, the ongoing battle we have about the value of games in an educated society, even though educated society is kind of an oxymoron, but uh, the value of of games for an educated society, you know, uh, showing that this is, yes, it's entertainment, people can just make their penis-shaped town, sure, but there can be far more interesting and, you know, highly relevant lessons can be drawn from these games and and I'm glad that there are people out there who really drive that home. Yeah. Do not eat's got this great like monotone way of talking, but he's got this great dry sense of humor too, where every once in a while it'll shine through. He'll say something and like, it takes you a second to catch on that. What he said was just a joke, but it's really funny. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm very captivated by, by do not eat's ongoing Franklin series. Uh, he hasn't yet reached, um, the civil war era of the city of Franklin. So there's still plenty of history left to go to. So you're not like missing the boat here. There's, there's, uh, we're still like mid season at the very least for, for the Franklin series. So I'm, uh, I'm patiently awaiting episode 10. Uh, there so you go. do not eat if you're listening, please. I need that episode, please. <laughs> and then, uh, the last one I want to mention is, is sort of like, I, I didn't feel like I could, have this discussion without bringing up Gaijin Hunter, but I have to. Yep. Um, and this, and this for everybody listening is who I was positive would be on Snacks' list. <laughs> yes. So Gaijin Hunter uh, did an amazing thing, right? Gaijin Hunter um, quietly built a little bit of a um, a portfolio of Monster Hunter videos before it really took off in the West, like shortly before it started to take off in the West. And by the time it was, um, by the time it was really a thing, uh, Gaijin was the, the foremost English speaking authority on Monster Hunter on the internet period. Mm -hmm. Um, there are, there are plenty of amazing, um, you know, uh, digital libraries and calculators. Uh, Karaniko comes to mind. 
uh, where you can like punch in some numbers and look at like drop rates and all that stuff. But none of those things tell you how to actually play the damn game. Um, they're invaluable resources to be sure, but Gaijin Hunter, uh, was the first one to put up wep- uh, weapon tutorials in English, uh, was the first one to say, you know, this is, um, you know, th- these are the types of things that you should be looking for. These are the types of skills that people don't use, but here are the benefits of them. You know, here are some of the numbers that you can look for if you're going to be using these skills. Um, and he does it all with this, uh, very like kind of, uh, like innocent childlike wonder, which I really appreciate. He's, he's a little bit of a, um, he's a little bit, uh, he's a little bit of like a, like a goofy English professor. Uh, he's got a lot of personality and it really shines through. You can tell he's a little bit of a, you know, he, he, like a shy nerdy guy probably in real life, but one of my favorite things that that Gaijin Hunter does, and, and I should say that uh, right now Gaijin Hunter is sitting at sitting pretty comfortably at two hundred and sixty nine thousand subscribers, and this was this was all this year before Monster Hunter World came out. I think he had less than a hundred thousand. So wow, yeah. So so uh, Gaijin Hunter is a Discord partner. He's probably one of the more popular, uh, you know, uh, you know, game specific. YouTube guys, uh, he, he actually got a shout out in Monster Hunter, uh, Generations Ultimate. They, they don't mention him by name. Yes. They don't mention him by name, but they make a little bit of a reference to him as being like, oh, the guy who like knows a lot about the monsters, that foreign hunter guy. Um, yeah, yeah. They're, yeah, they're talking about Gaijin Hunter, uh, which is super cool. Um, he, uh, he, he does, um, he does like week, weekly updates for all of the events that are going on in Monster Hunter World. Um, but one of my favorite things about, about, uh, Gaijin Hunter is that he's created such a, uh, I, I almost want to say a cult of personality because he, he has, he has this, this, he has hit this great middle ground of allowing you some window into his personal life while still being like a pretty mysterious internet guy. Um, and like, for example, uh, I don't know what his real name is or what he looks like. But if it's Adam Avenko, Avenko, no, that's his, that's his handle. I think his name might be Evan. But anyway, if you follow him on Twitter, a a lot of, a lot of times on Twitter in between talking about monster hunter, he's talking about his, his young daughter and he's like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta pick up Yuna from school today. And he's just very charming and endearing and earnest in everything he does. Um, right. he does, he does a lot of like, uh, he, he like laughs in the middle of his videos. Um, you know, when he messes up, uh, he, he doesn't edit out anything that isn't like, you know, totally dank and awesome. Like he's, he's there to, you know, he, he's really there to show you in granular detail how to master the weapon that you've chosen. When we talked, we talked about Monster Hunter last week and how each weapon really is like a, like a language. And, and he, I mean, every single comment on one of his weapon tutorial videos is, I have 400 hours in Monster Hunter and I've only used this weapon and I learned something on your video. Uh, you know, he, he manages to, um, he manages to really, really lay it out there in such an easy to digest way. I mean, a lot of his, uh, I think his like longest weapon tutorial video might be 25 minutes. And in that time, he, he really shows you 
everything that you can possibly do with every weapon without going too fast, without being too flashy, and while still adding in his own like sound effects and onomatopoeia and stuff like that. He's he's just a very um, he's he's the there are plenty of hardcore like numbers driven resource sites. There's uh you know Ping's Dex and there's uh, Karanico, like I said, and even um you know even even uh, Erex, who's who's a great you know monster hunter uh, content creator in his own right, puts out a lot of videos on a much quicker clip than Gaijin Hunter does, but Gaijin Hunter kind of can go at his own pace at this point. He's, um, you know, his, his somewhat slower, like more meandering, like less action heavy pace is like, I think one of the most endearing, uh, traits of his, uh, I think the best way to, uh, to describe this is that he still hasn't uploaded all of his weapon tutorials for Monster Hunter World. And this game came out almost a year ago now. Right. He just doesn't have them up. He's like, yeah, I'll get to him whenever. Like, you know, I, I, I'll show you. I'll show you some other stuff instead. You guys want to like learn some bow tricks, and we're all like, "Yeah!" It's just like Gaijin Hunter's like <laughs> kindergarten class, and I, I feel like I feel like I'm truly like sitting on the floor watching him like draw animals on the chalkboard. Like when I'm watching his videos, he's he's just got this unbelievable childlike charm, and it's it's very magnetic, and and he still does it all without dumbing the game down which I really appreciate. Uh, Gaijin Hunter is like a, a very special YouTuber and a, and a really important guy in the community because there really aren't that many hardcore like Monster Hunter content creators out there. You know, um, There will a, probably be more in the wake of World and the work that Gaijin Hunter is doing, but you're mm-hmm. right, there's not many at all. Yeah, and, and Gaijin Hunter is like, you know, the sort of the alpha and the omega in my, in my book and, and in many other people's books. Yeah, Gaijin Hunter. All the all the folks that you mentioned have the theme running through them of education, mm-hmm. um, and and being good at educating people. Whether it is on you know the intricacies of Monster Hunter, uh, whether it's in using the game to educate on real world matters, or just going into absurd strategic and tactical depth, you know? Yeah. There's an educational thread that runs through them. And as I alluded to before, that that's the thing that makes um, these content creators so important is that they can give people all this knowledge. YouTube in general has been great for, despite a lot of the challenges that you'll hear about in the media, uh, it has been a great platform for education, for, for people to just go and learn stuff and find out things that they didn't know before or get further background on stuff that they already knew about, you know, mm-hmm. Hell, even me right now, uh, the other day, which I think also is Michelle Kotaku was talking about, uh, a video featuring the original hardware, Hollywood, um, like, uh, graphics hardware that helped power the N64's development, which I haven't watched yet, but, that's the kind of like super obscure thing that is all over YouTube. And it's, it's completely, it's, it's difficult to overstate how valuable that stuff is. Yeah. So that's good. That was a, I like that. That was a nice, um, that was a nice set of folks. So now it is time for uh, frog's journey through the land of Twitch and YouTube. 
<laughs> you can imagine this is like a Mary Poppins moment. Where I'm just like taking out my umbrella and I'm yeah, grabbing like, the entire audience by the hand, and there's like some cheesy effect as we go into the sky. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna start with YouTube. Gaijin Hunter, by the way, would have been on my list, but I purposely left him off because I knew that Snacks would have him on his. Damn, so predictable. Wow. <laughs> this is okay because I got plenty other people to talk about. I yeah, had to kind of call this list in a certain manner to to keep it down to the folks I have. So I have um, the way I have it here is I have my five YouTube folks, my five Twitch folks. And five honorable mentions, which are also mostly YouTube people. But I have I have one honorable mention too. But do all yours too, because I I I'm feeling that you, my honorable mention might be one of your people. So go. Well, with fifteen, that's a good chance. Yeah. Uh, okay, so up at number five for YouTube, I have to give a shout out to that one video gamer, or also known as the completionist, mm-hmm. our boy Gerard. Uh. He his whole shtick for those that don't know him is that as the name suggests, the completionist, he goes and plays games hundred percent always. So he turns down over every corner, every leaf, got all every Korok seed. Yes. You know, every oh. ridiculous inane thing that has been put in the game as a, a thing for players to do, he does each and every single one of them. And then he will review the game on the basis of, you know, all the usual metrics, but also, you know, how ridiculous was it from a completionist perspective. More recently, based on the feedback he's gotten, because it pretty much used to be he would play all the games and then the video would just be the review. But more recently, people were like, we want to see, you know, the, the painful process of getting through the game. So he's been doing more Twitch streams as well. Uh, in fact, he's been doing um, Completion's New Game Plus, where he's like replaying a bunch of stuff that he'd already done reviews for. So people can check that out. But I, I really love his stuff because his videos are very well edited, very well put together. And I think they really strongly make um, whatever argument that he sets out to make. And they're very funny. Yeah. So, number four is Jello Apocalypse. <laughs> okay. Great. Yeah, Jello Apocalypse is an animator and his animation is real fun. Um real cool stuff. He the two main theories theories series that he would be known for are so this is basically where basically it's, you know making fun of whatever game series or anime or whatever. And uh welcome to so there's like the welcome to Vine, you know, the welcome to Facebook. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just completely satirizing and, and tearing those platforms all apart. Uh, endless fun with Joe Apocalypse. Uh, actually, as a matter of fact, he doesn't even have that much video game content. But just in general, um, as a figure in the, the realm of geekdom, uh, I find Joe Apocalypse to be super fun and and. Uh, always a good time to watch. Very much in the gaming sphere is uh, at number three, my boy Jim Sterling. Mm, of Formerly of Destructoid, but now very much a YouTube celebrity. Yeah. Uh, Jim Sterling does a current, in his own words, a current affairs show about video games. And he will just go and do these 20 minute approximately 
very, very detailed and very well thought out rants on some aspect of the game industry that he thinks is horribly fucked up. Microtransactions is a constant recurring theme. Um, You know, abuse of DLC is a constant recurring theme. Certain companies find themselves at the receiving end of his ire all the time. Yeah. You know. He, uh, I Jim Sterling's been around for a while, and correct me if I'm wrong, he's the one that um, he's the one that coined the term PC Master Race, right? No, I think that was zero punctuation that coined that term. That was zero punctuation. I thought Jim Sterling I, was zero punctuation. No, that's that dude Yahtzee. Oh, wow. Okay, you're right. I love Yahtzee. But shout out to yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> shout out to Zero Punctuation too. That he, as as Max alluded to, the the memes generated by Zero Punctuation over the years have been. In fact, I have, as you recall, my glorious PC gaming master race mouse pad based on. The yeah, Zero you do. Video. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So he's awesome too. But yeah, Jim Sterling is more taking like a academic style look. Mm-hmm. At things going on in gaming and, and breaking down why they're fucking awful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some obviously, I don't agree with everything he says, but he always makes a very well thought out argument, which is, you know, in the age of the internet, already an achievement in itself. So then, number two is uh, SNES Drunk. Very near and dear to our hearts, this channel. So, SNES Drunk. This dude does reviews of Super NES and Genesis and even some more modern titles, uh, all from today's perspective. Very bite-sized videos, usually three to five minutes, and just zeroes in on, again, topics that relate to the old games for a modern audience. So is such and such game worth playing today? What was the deal with such and such licensed game or the best so a lot of these, remember, we're talking about the 90s, so there'd be multiple licensed titles for per franchise or whatever. Yeah. So he'll be like, okay, which were the best Batman games of the 90s, you know? And, and I find these to be very, very informative and very, very helpful. He also talks a little bit about how you'd go about acquiring these games, assuming that you're trying to do so legally. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler good luck. <laughs> um, so... If for those people who are kind of want to put their toe into retro and don't really know anything about it, you know, younger people especially, his channel will be great because he doesn't really presuppose any knowledge other than, okay, well, you know what an RPG is, you know what this is, that, that, that. And of course, that, oh, you've probably heard of this famous title because there's straight up videos where it's like, What's the hype with this? Like, what's the hype between on, on Chrono Trigger? Why do people give a shit about this game? Yeah. So, in that educational vein that we we're talking about earlier, I think his is a really important channel. Yeah, I was about to say, like, that sounds that sounds right up my alley. I, I, I got to check out Snest Drunk. Yeah, I think you would really dig his stuff. Uh, and my favorite, you, this is all. This is in rough order, but number ones on these are. Absolute. There's no question. Uh, number one here is Matt Pat, the Game Theorists. Uh, game Theory is, again, another s- super slickly edited show. Matt Pat is the first person I'd go to for anybody that would kind of poo-poo the professionalism 
of YouTube content mm-hmm. because yes, there is a lot of you know just screaming stupidity, which you know I don't mind. I certainly enjoy some of that myself. But if you want to talk about somebody who does uh, content that has very very serious analysis, but is also extremely fun, that's game theorists in spades. Taking on all sorts of meme-tastic topics, many, many, many of which are related to Nintendo video games. Uh, like, for example, what's the deal with Rosalina? That inspired a two-part, I think, told like a 40-minute exploration, hauling in real genetic concepts. Uh, oh, my God. For him to arrive at a theory of who Rosalina actually is. And that's probably my favorite video he's done yet. Though there are a lot of great ones. Uh, I remember a memorable one talking about, you know, World of Warcraft and real economics. You know, all this stuff. Again, they go into a lot of detail. He goes into a lot of real world stuff, a lot of important topics and important concepts. But all of it is done with literally nonstop visual gags going on as he talks. Uh, super slickly edited, super well done. And I also have to just say that Matt Pat, as a person representing um, internet content creators across the board, you really can't do better because he, he wears his heart on his sleeve. Him and his wife, I should say. Uh, shout out to both of them. They, they're, they're great. I've seen them do streams and such as well. And they really come across as just such warm, likable people. And... I've seen some, Matt, Pat will also post some speeches that he'll give at different events and whatever, uh, in, including one particularly moving one in which he talked about how he had inadvertently saved somebody from committing suicide um, just by saying hi, just by that taking that time to be in a person's life. And he, so that's what I'm saying. Like he's a, a professional through and through cares about the community, cares about people through and through. Uh, like I said, I cannot imagine anybody who represents YouTube as a platform, and I really think internet creators in general better than MatPat does. Wow. So that's YouTube. That, uh, now we take our role into the world of Twitch. And it's funny because I just showered and lavished praise on all these YouTube creators, but I don't watch all of them that often. I spend most of my watching hours on Twitch. Uh, so let's, let's, and I have a ton of Twitch streamers I love. Uh, I, right off the bat, I'll tell people that the majority of them are FTC related, so I cut them out. Because I wanted to focus on the people who are making their living, essentially, off of streaming. Right. So, though two of these people are, well, actually three of them, are still like FGC either involved or adjacent. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the first would, number five, I should say, on the list, is uh, the Rush Hour Smash guys. Though they don't really stream as a duo as much these days, uh, but they're both very much involved in um, Twitch as a platform, aside from, as the name suggests, they're both... Smash competitors, um, Keitaro and False. Uh, also, as the name suggests, one is black, one is Asian. <laughs> uh, they're they're a very lively duo. Keitaro himself is more commentator these days, as I can tell, but False definitely still competes. Uh, real fun guys. They just go play Smash with people, 
talk, shoot the shit. It's very fun to just turn and tune into them for however long. Uh, False also does, as I found out, a lot of video editing as well, and he seems to be pretty good at it too. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of the stuff that he does for YouTube and and whatever as uh, time goes on. Number four is uh, everybody's favorite Tekken commentator, Aris, avoiding Nepal, <laughs> who is also a variety streamer in his own right. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. He's, as a matter of fact, just as Sunday, I was watching him play through Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. Oh, God, I love that game. Great game. And he was, I was having a fantastic time watching this because he got hung up at the same place I did. I may have shared with you the other day that when I was last visiting my brother's family, uh, my niece and nephew saw me playing the Switch and basically attacked me so that they could get a view of what I was playing. And I happened to be playing this same boss that Aris was, which is this fucking annoying pufferfish. Mm. And <laughs> Aris, with his lively personality, made this extremely entertaining Though I'll also say, if somebody heard that with the sound, without the visuals, it would sound incredibly wrong. <laughs> Chat's having a field day, but yeah, as I said, Aris was um, primarily known as a Tekken commentator, does a lot of Tekken com- content on his channel, um, and all of which can be also found on YouTube. But he plays a lot of other games as well, has a lot of cool merchandise and t-shirts, uh, and a lot of cool stream-specific lingo, you know, calling people that he thinks are stupid in the channel stoners. And then we'll, and if, if they get out of line, he asks the mods to shoot them. <laughs> Which means that there are a lot of, like, weird gun emotes and that get thrown at people. It's, it's batshit crazy. But, yeah, Aris is a great time. Also loves, like, the dark... And he like the Souls games. He loves those games. Well, who does? Uh, three... Three is uh, mine and our good friend Dingus. This is his, this is our boy, uh, Caleb Hart 42, who is, I'm pretty sure, the most popular Mega Man streamer on YouTuber, mm-hmm. on YouTuber, on Twitch. Uh, that is, he's a speedrunner through and through. You'll see him at every Games and Quick event. Uh, primarily, again, known for the Mega Man games right now, of course, having a, quite a moment as he is uh, putting time to learn the run for Mega Man 11, which is dastardly, because that game is extremely fucked up. But he's very good at all the Mega Man games, but he's another person who kind of... You see the warts in all runs, so he definitely rages hard on stream. But it's always so funny, because the things he exclaims... I'm I'm not even going to say half of them here, because it's so fucking dirty... Um, his exclamations are so funny and so entertaining as he like slams to reset the SNES. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's great. Uh, also has a ton of great emotes. He has a very toxic relationship with his chat that he started. So they blatantly abuse him as he's messing up, and he just like talks shit back to them. It's it's wild. It's a wild time in the, in that stream, but. It's always very entertaining. He also more recently took on a bunch of other games. Uh, he plays a lot of tiles in FF series, does a good speed run of seven, more recently doing tactics as well. And I think he was more casually trying to run like 
I want to say 10, but I don't recall. Uh, definitely Chrono Trigger as well. Chrono Trigger he spent a lot of time on during the summer. Nice. But Caleb Hart's very funny, very fun. There's a reason why people gravitate toward him. Uh, it's it's abusive and ridiculous, but it's fun, abusive and ridiculous. So it's always a good time. And if you want to see, if you're a up and coming speedrunner, you kind of want to see not only what to do, but how what it takes to get there. You definitely want to see what he's doing. Number two is God. My, one of my, my one of my boys here, Moon Moon. Moon Moon is like the arch meme streamer. <laughs> if you go into a Moon Moon stream, it is the chat is literally just copy pasta and trash talking emotes. It's so stupid, <laughs> but. What makes it great is that it's stupid without being offensive. I mean, that's that's Twitch chat. Which is an achievement. That's Twitch chat at its best, really, is, is when it's stupid without being offensive. It's a fine line, but... It's a fine line, but his stream comes all the way up to the line, but never crosses it. And I think he's done a good job of himself setting enough of standards that people aren't going to do, you know, the fuck shit that everybody else that kind of does that similar style is known for. Right. His stuff is always just very fun and very funny. Um, similar to Caleb, not, he has kind of a, he'll get ragey from time to time as well if he's messing up. Uh, but it's mostly just fun times, talking about various things, no holds barred. Like, really, he'll say whatever the fuck he feels like. Um, there's also a little bit of a I don't know if the word would be in a redemptive arc, but an interesting arc because for a long time he did not employ a face cam. And in fact, one of the ongoing jokes was, oh, hey guys, I'm about to do the face cam reveal stream soon. And then when he'd get up to the moment of face cam reveal, it'd just reveal like some stupid drawing or something. Uh, and I believe, I don't know if he's confirmed himself, but it is believed that uh, Mumu is balding. I think he's like my age, like 30, 31 or something like that. Uh, so I think he was self-conscious about that, but he now does the face cam streams. Yeah. Everybody roasted him for it for a while, but it's like, you got over it and we moved up. I think he looks fine. (laughs) I'm I'm sure, I'm sure he looks fine. Yes. So like, it really is not that big a deal, but it, but still it speaks to the fact that listen, you're, you're, he streams to something like close to 10 K people every time he's on. So, yeah. you know, are you going to expose your whole – it takes a lot of courage, you know? Oh, yeah. I can, I can only imagine. I don't think, think 10,000 people have ever looked at me like in like a single year, let alone all at once. <laughs> right. I don't know if 10,000 people have seen my, my entire life. But, <laughs> yeah, you see 10,000 people are play, watching you play some game uh, at any given time. It's a lot of pressure. You know, mm-hmm. I also add that uh, Moon Moon's actual um, account name is Moon Moon underscore OW. He came to prominence in the early days of Overwatch. I think he basically blew up off of some viral clip or the other. OK, uh, so he was playing just Overwatch for a long time. Now, I think he barely plays it, but he, he's basically a variety streamer now. As a matter of fact, there was a, a little bit of a wave 
last month where you had a bunch of these random big streamers that hopped on Tekken, and he was one of them. So that was very interesting and very cool to see as well. So, okay, and that brings us to number one, my favorite, unquestionable favorite person on Twitch, uh, person slash crew, which is Max and the Yo Video Games crew. Love, love, love these guys. Love them. Uh, whereas I call MatPat the best possible representative for like all content creators, I would say Max is pretty much number two, but more personally resonant to me because watching Max and his crew, I like I see myself in there in his him and his crew. Uh, they're literally a group of guys that just got together. And, you know, back in the arcade days, you know, they, they all met each other and became very close friends and decided to start doing content videos at first, but later getting into Twitch. And they blew up on Twitch, I think, mainly because of the power of just having a very, very positive environment uh, and huge variety of games, but with a nice core of fighting games. So, again... Max and Co. have been playing fighting games for four fucking ever. He, Max himself has commentated at Evo and other big events. Um, not really, I would say, a tourney player like that. Not in the sense of, you know, all guys that are being sponsored now. But obviously somebody that knows what they're doing and has a very deep knowledge and love of the game. Yeah. And what I really enjoy is that... A lot of the, anytime you get these tournament streamers, not only for fighting games, but for any of these competitive games, it's all laser focused on, okay, how do I get to the next level of gameplay, which is important. But I love that Max's crew focus on not only that, but on the overall aesthetic and feeling you get from the game. So like, for example, leading up to Marvel Infinite, Every time like a, a big new game in a, a series comes up, he usually has a legacy series where he'll play all the games in the in the series up to this one. And he had a thing where he was literally just sitting there on stream and going through art pieces from the old Marvel or Capcom game. Like that's the shit I like. Like appreciating the level of artistry and and care and detail that goes into these games aside from just, Oh, what's the frame data? Oh, which characters busted this week? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, they had extremely fun, diverse crew. And again, you're talking about a guy who can stream to between 10 to 12 K people on any given stream. But again, one of the friendliest chats you'll ever see. His, his chat is why I knew that all the people that said, oh, Twitch chat in general is completely valueless, I already knew that was wrong. Because it is clear that if you set the standards and you set a tone from the get-go, it doesn't matter what the, the actual number of people participating is. Uh, it will be just fine. Yeah. So, yeah, Max definitely... And they again, the, just the variety of stuff they play is huge. Lots of obscure stuff, lots of old, obscure Japanese games you'll see on any given day. They'll do uh, the Yo! video games when he gets all the guys together is on Saturdays and Sundays. And they'll just get together and say, all right, well, tonight we're just going to play all our favorite Dreamcast games, let's say. I love that stuff. 
And I think it's also great because younger people will get to see some of the older stuff and really get to appreciate why it was a big deal in the first place. Uh, so those are my 10, you know, core favorites on the platforms, but real quick, I'll give you the honorable mentions. Like I said, most of these are YouTube with the exception of number five on honorable mentions, which is seriously Clara. She does a very nice homey stream uh, focused on indie games. Indie games do have a great home on Twitch, but I love that she kind of makes a point to lift them up as much as she can. Mm -hmm. And in particular, uh, I believe she does work directly with Twitch. She's often featured on the front page and she'll do streams of whatever um, Twitch Prime games are being offered that month. So that's another great way for people to kind of explore what's out there. Uh, Number four, who I don't think is really active on at anymore but i have to find what the story is dude uh satch bags goods uh also another like dude that does these very nice in-depth analyses of different game related topics but usually things more related to art and design so really cool perspective from that <laughs> uh number three my boy a twerking yoshi which i mean the name alone earns you a spot on the list but He's he's actually legit because he you I might have told you about him before. He's the guy that plays various games with a dance pad. So like he beat yeah. Bloodborne with a dance pad. <laughs> Which I that, I can stop right there. Like <laughs> I mean that's sort of like that's sort of like a uh like a weird game pastime is just beat Dark Souls one with whatever peripheral controller you can find. But the dance pad is like. That's up there with the Donkey Kong bongos. The bongo controller. Yeah. I think he might have done something with that too, but... Sure, okay. Because he just uses all these weird controllers, but he's most known for the dance mat. Uh, two is extra credits. Extra credits go into a lot of um, industry-level, like gaming industry-level topics, and they always do these nice, great deep dives on them. Uh, those guys are one of the first YouTubers I got into. And um, every time I watch your video, I come away better informed for it. So they deserve a big shout out. Uh, and my top honorable mention is Dashy, Dashy XP, who is somewhat like Moon Moon, another like over the top screamy personality. Uh, but I find him hilarious. And I'm pretty sure I'm not, I don't have the hard numbers, but hard numbers, hard data here, but I'm pretty sure he was part of the old school, like old school, like 2008, 2009 crew, my way, who, um, was some of the people around like the juggernaut bitch videos and stuff like that. Cause I'm pretty sure his voice is unmistakable and I'm pretty sure I've heard his voice in all those videos, but regardless of whether that was actually him or not, his content on YouTube is really funny. Uh, and he does some interesting collaborations. Like, for example, Logic did a video with him. I don't even know how that came together. But, yeah, they played Mario Kart and talked all kind of shit together. It was very fun. So shout-out to him. Shout-out to all the honorable mentions and, of course, all the favorites. But that would conclude my journey through YouTube and Twitch. Wow. Uh, you, you certainly uh, consume more content than I do. But... <laughs> 
the content that I that I do uh, consume, I think um, I, I do I do with a lot of vigor and I do with a lot of purpose, and I think that right. that's why I like the creators that I like, um, right? Because they're they're incredibly meaty. There's a, there's a ton to absorb uh, from their videos. Um, that being said, I have two honorable mentions. One is uh, one is pretty popular, I think, in his own right. I, I think he might be fairly. He only does video game video, videos, as far as I know, but I think he might be popular amongst uh, people who don't play games either, uh, because he he does pretty popular games and he and he's pretty popular. But I I, uh, I love Donkey. I think Donkey is so funny. Yeah, Donkey's hilarious. I almost mentioned him in my honorable mentions, but I was like, let me not be here all day. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I I think what Donkey does that is so great is um I think that the humor is is like bigger than he realizes because he he um what he inevitably ends up doing is showcasing a lot of uh how in in, in an era where games are are you know more and more realistic and complex and and you know accurate in terms of physics and all this other stuff. There's still a lot of weirdness in games, and sometimes we get wrapped up in, in like a little bit of self seriousness when it, when it comes to these things. And Donkey does this really amazing job of inadvertently showing us like, no, this is like a very weird thing that we all do, and games are very weird, and it's very easy to like find out how strange they are, um, and sometimes it just takes somebody to point them out for you to be like, huh, yeah, that is really strange. This game is mm-hmm. dumb. You know, like it's, it's, it's very funny and in a, in a very, um, observational way, which I appreciate. Right. Um, and then the other one is, um, I, been around for a really long time and I don't know how relevant they are anymore, but, uh, they were at one point, uh, back when I was in college, uh, really instrumental in, in me kind of, uh, progressing my game when I was, uh, really getting to getting into fighting games and that's uh Vesper arcade. Ah, uh, yeah. Vesper is on Twitch now. Yeah. Vesper's on Twitch now. They, they still upload regular videos to YouTube, uh, but they've sort of, um, spread themselves around quite a bit. I think it's a collective. I think it's a bunch of people. Um, but they do, uh, they started out doing like, um, like just training videos, um, y- you know, uh, really in-depth stuff. And, um, they, they, like I said, they spread out quite a bit, but I think they, I think they had a podcast at one point and they did, uh, you know, they, they do entire playlists on just, you know, one characters, like 15 video long, uh, like Abigail, uh, videos like, you know, previews on, you know, uh, like trailers on like, uh, character reveals into, you know, their entire, like, um, you know, command list and like trials and everything like that. Um, they, they do compilations of, of like, you know, moments in, um, you know, in big fighting game tournaments, uh, um, it's just kind of like a one-stop shop for like everything that's going on in, in street fighter, which, uh, you know, might not be as, as, uh, relevant as it was, but at, at one point, uh, Vespa arcade, like I was, I was visiting every day trying to nail like 
every uh, every trial for every character in like Vanilla Four. Um, they were really instrumental, really educational, really you know brought it down to like you know base, brought it all the way back up, like really just top to top to bottom explanations and and uh they've changed a little bit like they've experimented with a lot of other things but they're uh they're a pretty important street fighter force and so that's a that's my honorable mention well there you have it um i think we uh covered quite a huge range today yeah we definitely did there's so much there's so much talent out there 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 really and truly is and uh you know, ultimately you're, you're going to have to figure out what it is you want out of a content creator when you're, when you're transitioning from like watching to, or from playing to watching, or if you were never, if you were always into watching, like what, what is it about it that you like? Um, there are so many people out there that are doing exactly what you are looking for. You just gotta, you just gotta gotta find them. Um, it's, uh, it's really impressive. And, and, you know, we love all the, all the people that we mentioned here. So, uh, there's definitely some we missed and there's definitely some that you're probably angry that we didn't mention. That's fine. Uh, tell us about it. Um, and, and I'll definitely shout out some, uh, others if they come to mind and I was like, Oh, I didn't mention them on the, on that episode. Uh, so yeah, check that out. Uh, we're on the internet at, uh, at frog snacks on Twitter at frog snacks podcast on, on Instagram. We've got our website, frogsnacks.net, and obviously we're on we're on Apple Podcasts. You can rate, review, subscribe to the show, and um, do not need if you're listening. I need that new episode, man. Episode ten of Franklin. Give, <laughs> give it to me. I need it. I need it, bro. <laughs> I need it, bro. All right. Uh, so yeah, that's it. That's us. Uh, we're signing off, and uh, we will talk to you, lovely people, soon. Peace out. Peace. <laughs>